Welcome to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. Hello, this is Diane Estabrook, staff writer for McKnight's Home Care Daily. For nearly three decades, Demetrius Harrell has been a steadying force at Hospice in the Pines in rural Lufkin, Texas. Her dedication to her patients, their families, and staff earned Harrell a spot in McKnight's 2022 Women of Distinction Hall of Honor. As a hospice CEO, Harrell brings a unique perspective to the industry. Her first priority is always providing compassionate care to her patients. But Harold is also focused on social justice, climate change, as well as diversity, equity, and inclusion. I recently had a conversation with Harold and started by asking her what it takes to be a strong leader today. You know, I think that one key word has come out of the pandemic that I adopted and adapted to many years ago, and that was resilience. Uh, because we have an ever-changing environment, the climate of healthcare consistently changes. We have to maintain cohesiveness. And so one of the foundation uh, fundamentals for me is always making sure that we recognize that the work we do makes a difference, not only for us, but for the people and the population we serve. And once we can establish that, uh, that definitely redefines why I am here. I hear people say all the time, oh, your work must be difficult. I could never imagine taking care of the terminally ill or those individuals that are dying. But for me, it's such a passion and such a pleasure. It's interesting that you say that because I heard an industry leader earlier in the week say that the new generation of people coming into the workforce aren't mission driven. They are driven by flexibility in their work schedules and sort of how their job can kind of fit into their personal lives. Do you agree with that? And and if that's the case, then how do you bring these people into an industry like hospice, which truly is mission driven? Right. I, I believe that that definitely is a large percentage of our generation. I hear individuals oftentimes say, I want and need flexibility. I'm raising children. When we look back on generations, uh, people formulated this term multitask based on the many women and men who dedicated and continue to commit to doing multiple things while still committing to the mission of their job. I am sincerely mission driven and I want my team to know that I will meet them, but the main priority is taking care of the patients and doing the job until the job is done, no matter what. Uh, Even last evening, myself and our director of finance was here to 10 p.m. Why I came in at, well, actually I arrived about 7.45 and I was still here at 10 that night, so multiple hours, but I am seeing that with a lot of our team members, even our younger team members. If the patient needs to be cared for, they are retaining their mission statement, and that is to relieve and comfort the patient throughout the terminal disease. So while that does happen, uh, and we do see that, what we have formulated is you are here for the mission, you are here for the vision, and at the end of the day, we will, too, salute our employees. One of the things I do every year is we celebrate all the milestones like Nurses Week, Social Work Month, but I do an employee appreciation 
And that day is just dedicated to our employees and we honor them. I think I was one of the first to do it in our community and our director of the chamber who is on our board says, you know, we've never seen anything like that to celebrate and make sure that every single person gets an award. I'm glad you brought that up because you were on one of our panels recently at the McKnight's Women of Distinction Forum, and you talked about shining the spotlight on your staff. Has that become more important during the pandemic, and does it really resonate with your employees? It does, and it has become more of a focal point uh, because we were doing so many things during that pandemic, not only to maintain our safety, but the safety of those that we served. It took a lot out of our team. It took a lot out of our administration. And so we definitely want to make sure that we pour in. Uh, One of the additional things that I have done is make sure that everyone is celebrated on their birthday and I allow them to take that day and they can take that day 30 days prior or 30 days after. That to me is letting them know that we appreciate life and life more abundantly by the life that they were granted and given at birth. That is, to me, extremely invaluable. You cannot put a dollar sign on it, but uh, it is appreciated by our team. You've also been a big proponent of ethics, and of course, every leader believes that they're an ethical leader. But in your mind, what does that really mean? And what does it mean to the staff? Yes. You know, I watch so many team members circle seven on trustworthiness, which is the highest on their self-evaluation. And then I go back and I ask them the question, Our tagline is, when integrity matters, choose hospice in the pines. Well, for me, ethics is making sure that you maintain the status quo of doing the job right, uh, doing the job to the very best of your ability, mitigating any risk. But it also means that you're doing it with a sound mind and ensuring that you are meeting the demands of the job and also supporting the infrastructure around regulatory requirements and policies and procedures. That is the highest level of integrity, but also meeting the standards of ethics. As a social worker, we have to get ethics. Uh, As nurses, we have to have ethics. That is important that we as businesses are demonstrating an ethical practice. The federal government wants to ensure that we maintain a high level of integrity. And we've signed on the Medicaid Integrity Initiative in Texas. But for our team, ethics is doing the job right and getting great results from it. Uh, That is to me the demonstration of why we have had elite status for patient satisfaction that the patients and their families are able to see and it resonate with them that our team is going to be about their best interest. You've also talked about tapping into the emotional and spiritual needs of your staff and, and, you know, and your clients as well. And why is that important? And when you talk about the spiritual aspect of it, do you stray potentially into territory that might be considered by some people forbidden? 
because you maybe don't know what the beliefs are of that patient or that staff member. Absolutely. You know, at a hospice in the Pines and with most hospices, we acknowledge that we are meeting the needs of the patient and meeting the patient where they are with their spiritual uh, background. Uh, so it comes with a non-denominational format. But within our organization, every single day, we start with a spiritual reflection. We allow one of our chaplains to lead us because we realize the work that we do is difficult and it brings about multiple challenges for us personally, for us professionally. We are dealing with the individual's transition. And because of that, we feel it is important that we go out, we assess the patient and their environment. We do not uh, tell them that they have to conform to any specific religion, but we, by assessment, determine what they need spiritually. And it has been even those that may not practice any form of religion who have said, you changed my life by coming in, holding my hand and enlightening me with a spiritual form of enrichment. Sometimes that is done through our team. Uh, we get on almost every survey that I read, you are angels. You have changed our lives. I wish we would have called you sooner. But the angels that came into our home and they began to name our staff members changed the way we saw death and helped to enhance the quality of life for the patient. And so for us, we believe that is because we start each day in a manner that formulates that we first take care of ourselves spiritually. A number of companies in Fortune 500 have developed diversity, equity, and inclusion policies. Um, this industry, uh, home care and hospice, has been sort of slow to take up the mantle, although a lot of companies are looking into that. Do you have a formal diversity, equity, and inclusion policy? We do. And just recently, I was asked to speak to uh, a group that I serve on a board with the Texas Nonprofit Hospice Alliance. If I would share that policy with them and all of the practices that we have implemented. I am also a Rotarian and Rotary, who serves 1.2 million Rotarians across the world, uh, has adopted uh, that formula that diversity matters. But what is equity and how do we ensure that we include everyone. Well, you're right. It has been slow. Why are we just talking about it? But through the pandemic, I took some time to get certified in DEI. And that too has helped to enhance uh, my knowledge and ensure that people recognize that this is something that we must do. And, you know, a lot of times, and I share this with other colleagues, it's not about race alone. We oftentimes assume uh, that it is race related because of what we saw uh, over the last few years uh, when we talk about certain lives matter. Well, we all matter. But to ensure that we take good care of patients, we have to look at the diversity through their background to ensure that we are meeting the demands that they have. We have to ensure that from an equity, you know, some individuals may say, well, we gave them a hospital bed, but they were six feet tall. 
did that hospital bed meet their measurement? Well, they still were having pain. Their feet were hanging off the bed. We want to ensure that every patient is individualized when we look at their care. And to me, that is equity and inclusion. When we talk about people that might have different lifestyles, that we are sending staff members out there that can meet their needs, that can address their concerns. Uh, we do a pediatric program. We have a palliative care program as well. And all of those, we make sure that we educate and commit to diversity, equity and inclusion. It is important. So when you're talking about being inclusive and let's say you maybe need to go to a, um, a patient who's, you know, LGBT, um, do you have to have a staff member who is LGBT or just somebody who can understand the needs of that patient? Absolutely. Someone who can understand the needs of that patient. While we do have staff members that are uh, under uh, that uh category of LGBTQ, uh, we don't feel that that is the only individual that can meet their needs because uh, we have staff members that are on call. And so we don't want to say we cannot come out because that specific staff member is not on call. So we educate every team member to ensure that they know the needs and they understand the procedures for diversity, equity, and inclusion. I was sort of struck that you were really um, interested in the issue of climate change. And it, it struck me, why would somebody working in hospice be interested in that particular issue? Why is that important to you? You know, uh, the climate change uh, is to adaptability. It is resilience. It is modification. It is innovation. It is creativity. And for me, I believe that if we are going to cultivate uh, change through these times of a pandemic that we had no uh, awareness uh, that it was going to do what it did and lead us in a unprecedented time. Uh, we have to understand that's part of climate change. Uh, you know, we look at climate change from environmental factors, and that was a environmental factor. It changed the way we did medicine. It changed the way we met the needs of patients and services and the amenities that were generated. And so that tells me that I have to be better prepared when we have conflict, we have to have resolution. When we have climate change, we have to have innovative strategies to meet the demands of healthcare. And you're in a rural area. I, yes. I was looking at your, at the town on the map and, and um, you're kind of in the middle of nowhere. How, how, what kind of challenges do you have that a hospice in an urban area might not see? You know, there are a couple of things. One of the things we recognize is it takes us a lot longer to deliver services to people in a rural community. One, they may not have any other medical treatment modality or service coming to them and we have to travel. So we first have to educate all of our patients because we do a 12 county region, a 70 mile radius, is these are the timelines that it may take us to get to your environment, to your home. So we want to make sure that we manage their care appropriately and we stay on task of things that they may need. So projecting ahead, 
uh, preparing in advance uh, to the things that might occur uh, when we are not present. So one, uh, length of time to get there. Now, the one thing you may know, uh, hospice in metropolitan areas through the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Service get a higher reimbursement rate. And we've always said, well, why is that? Because, well, uh, cost of living is higher. But when we really think about it, the amount of time that it takes us to deliver service, uh, get to our patient population, and be certain that we can meet their needs in that rural community, uh, like getting medication. It may not have, uh, they may not have access to a pharmacy. So we have to deliver that particular medication in which we do. So we, we feel that one, it is harder to assure that that quality is met with those patients. So we spend more time in those rural communities. The second thing that I see is, of course, with less reimbursement, they also have uh, less adaptability to service uh, and technology. Uh, we have, um, of course, uh, seen a lot more movement in telemedicine. But in a lot of those rural communities, they don't have internet service. So that too is challenging, whereas in a metropolitan area, almost everyone has it. If not, they can drive down to the local Starbucks and have internet access. So that too has been uh, complicated for many of our patients and families, especially during the pandemic. And then of course, uh, in a rural community, when we have natural disasters, uh, we have any type of tornadoes uh, that may occur, which oftentimes we do have inclement weather, uh, that too causes problems because you may be on a dirt rural road uh, that now is infiltrated with water and uh, it's muddy and it takes a lot longer. Uh, they have to meet us uh, at the gate to get us in. So all of those have to be taken into consideration when we are taking care of patients in rural communities. It's ironic you talk about uh, rural ur uh, versus urban areas. I just came uh, from doing a tour in Amarillo and seeing all of the innovation that they have in such a rural community, uh, rural area, uh, the panhandle. And so I said, okay, let me assess and see if we're doing things right and how can we do it better back at home. And you mentioned reimbursement rates. Um, now we're seeing gas prices up in the Chicago area, at least above $5 a gallon. I mean, that has to be a real burden on you. It is. And, you know, with our nonprofit alliance, we talked about what are some of the things you're doing for your team? And so many of them and myself, we took one month and we filled everyone's tank, although they get reimbursement for mileage. We also went back as a board of directors and looked and evaluated our, our mileage uh, rate. And so for our team, that, too, is very challenging. Uh, they don't always tell you uh, you know, I had to put gas in my car this morning and I'm still waiting on my paycheck to be able to get food on the table. Uh, but we have to be conscious of those things with all the inflation and the elevation of prices from groceries to gas. We have to ask our staff, are you meeting the needs for your family? Uh, what can we do to ensure that we assist and assess the needs for you as well? 
Great conversation. Demetrius Harrell, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Diane. I am honored by all that you all do at McKnight's. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in home care news, visit McKnight'sHomeCare.com. 